before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that this episode is available to watch on our very own YouTube channel, so you can now watch as well as listen. Uh, stay healthy and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me on this second episode is Olympian Luke Stain and superfan Ben Clark as we look back at the race of the season as well as the standout performance in this 2020 World Cup Tour. Ben, what are your highlights? Uh, I picked a couple races out, one from the men's, one from the women's. Uh, the women's was from the slalom in Zagreb, which I titled the Vlahova Masterclass. Uh, obviously, we had Schifrin make a bit of a mistake on the first run, lose a fair bit of time, uh, but then Vlahova just took the entire field apart, Schifrin included. Um, Leensberger in third place was three and a half seconds off and 10th place was nearly five seconds off. Nice. That is absolute domination. Uh, and in the preview podcast, you said, um, you know, Zagreb's a really long hill. It's, you really have to bring your A game. You've got to be fit, you've got to be strong. And we already know Vlahova is that, but she really showed it that day. It was proper demolition, wasn't it? She absolutely smashed it. And you're right, Schifrin made that mistake on the first run. You thought that it was going to be a case of, right, here comes Schifrin, we're going to see this full 180 it's going to be Schifrin having an absolute monster second run uh, and take this back from Vlahova but Vlahova withstood a serious amount of pressure she just watched Schifrin come down take the lead by I think she took the lead by over one and a half seconds yeah. over Leensberger who was leading at the time and then Vlahova just going do you know what I'm not even bothered didn't break a sweat went at her at her second run in full attack mode, even though she had a substantial lead already and built on that advantage with an error-free second run from Schifrin. It was, you don't often see Schifrin making mistakes, um, but the one on the first run was, by her standards, quite a big mistake. But I sat watching that second run thinking, this is gonna be brilliant. If she lays down an absolute monster, yeah. will Vlahova be able to handle the pressure? Will she be trying? ski reserved and just hold on to her advantage yeah, yeah. the way we see Schifrin do when she's dominated the first run she yeah. just manages the second run will she go for that or will she really attack and say no it doesn't matter if you have your best run I'm skiing that well yeah. that it will still be good enough yeah she had seven tenths to play with after the first run so like you said she could have you know taken it a, a little Fell bit easier little but bit. she didn't um, and when you've got Schifrin in second who's used to putting the power yeah. down it must be really nerve-wracking saying, you know what, I'm just going to go for it on this run um, and, and build the lead. And yeah, obviously a little bit uncharacteristic of Schifrin to, yeah. to you know, drop back like that. Um, she almost had nothing to lose. Yeah, well, I that, do think that Schifrin having such a monster second run, she's won races by such big margins in the past that really piled the pressure onto Vlahova, who stood in the start gate. Yes, Schifrin has... Uh, been blitzing races all season long, but then Vlahova to realise that Schifrin's done so well, just I think made her realise that she still had to push because she's because of Schifrin's sort of past performances. Vlahova knew that she still couldn't rest even though she had that margin because Schifrin is so good. And then Vlahova just nailed every single turn, every single piece of terrain, and every single timing change, terrain change, combination change in the corset, absolutely blitzed it, inch perfect, the way down, and took that win by so far. I think that was actually the race where Schifrin got a bit um, annoyed with the press, and they talked. she talked about it in her interview, saying how disrespectful it was to the other athletes when the press say, why didn't you win? Was it because you made a mistake? Uh, and actually Schifrin turns around and goes, 
no. There are very talented skiers in this field and it's really disrespectful for you to think that it's only due to me making a mistake that somebody else wins. So I think that was kind of a nice reality check for the press and I think we were probably victims of it as well in terms of yeah. you look at Schifrin when she's got her skis on, she's supposed to win. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we've seen over the years from her. So you do get lulled into thinking that's yeah. all she needs to do. We know she works incredibly hard yeah. and because she picks her races as well and, yeah. and sits weekends out, you, you're almost just on autopilot that if she's entered this weekend, she's probably going Absolutely. to win. Yeah. Um, and that really shows just what a performance that was from Blahova. Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly extremely <laughs> impressive. Uh, what about on the men's side? Which one did you pick out there? And for the men's, I picked the Val slalom, bit early on in the season, quite, quite a long way back. Um, and again, for some reason, I haven't picked particularly close races. I've picked another demolition um, where Pantero on one of the hardest hills going in front of the home fans uh, laid an yeah. absolute monster yeah. down uh, and, and beat uh, Mura and Stefano Gross uh, and Christofferson. They were all separated by four hundredths. Pantero was a second and a half in front of them. Everyone else stacked in tight and close and he just said, don't worry, boys, I've got this. It's sort of become a bit of a calling card of Pantero steeps are his thing steeps yeah. ice yeah and that yeah, place yeah. is super tough it's yeah. down the fast of Belvard. it's always icy it's always uh gnarly gnarly <laughs> it's so it's such a tricky piece and for pantero again home pressure round the corner is his hometown to come there in front of the french crowd with their chainsaws going and the french <laughs> and the uh, and the french flags flying with all the flares going off and stuff it's their own version of schladming and for those guys to be there and for them Pantero to absolutely take the field apart was Im super impressive. Good good stuff from the uh, Korshvel kid. Um, but I'd also like to mention Luke Winters. Yes. Uh, was in second after the first run, I think I from late him. 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah from 40s. Um, he's had some really good shining performances this season. Um, not being able to put one and two together, like we've talked yeah. about in the past, that is the most important thing. Absolutely. Two runs, really consistent. But I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table next year once he's sort of like calmed down a bit, had the season to hopefully train yeah. um, and, you know, come back and, and, and know that he can put in those performances. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a flash in the pan for him either, no. was it? He managed to do another first run similar to that, not quite as high up in, in, the, in the leaderboard after that first run. I can't exactly remember where it was, but he was right up there in another race. So he's chasing the Holy Grail, getting two runs down together. Um, but he absolutely smashed it. He pushed hard. He wasn't afraid to charge. Yeah. Even when he was right up there in Val d'Isere, he still pushed, uh, made some big mistakes, finished in the teens. But I think, you know, he finished with a smile on his face, which is what it's all about. Um, yeah. I've actually donned the the short skis on that piece as well. The down the fast. <laughs> uh, more happy on the longboards, raced uh, Alpine combined there, which was uh, a little tricky on those little skis. But um, it's so difficult and it's yeah. almost survival because it's so tricky. It's not necessarily about who brings the best performance, it's about who makes the fewest errors. And when I was looking back at this, this was a, a, a pretty good day for Dave. Uh, came 17th at the time. We were a bit, not disappointed, but we said it was okay. But when you think at times we say Dave doesn't have the best of days out on the most gnarly piece, and that is one of the worst ones yeah, going. Yeah. 17th was a good day, uh, you know, Perhaps we've talked about it a few times. Perhaps we expect a little bit too much of him at times, but that was another, another solid day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky when we'll talk about it at length a, bit, a little bit later on, but I think 
all around when Dave goes and looks back at Val d'Isere, it's not his favourite piece. So I think actually 17th was was probably fair enough, yeah. I think, yeah, in, yeah. in reality for him. And uh, one of the oh, sorry, no, I was gonna say one of the other bits I liked about this race was we had Christofferson have an absolute nightmare on the first run, ski into 27th, but then do what Luke's mentioned a couple of times, he puts down monster second runs. Yeah. He went from 27th to 4th, he had the fastest second run, and it was just a kind of an early indicator that it was going to be one of those years for Christofferson <laughs> where he got himself yeah. really mad about something and then skied an absolute blind to make up flying for everywhere. Yeah, bits <laughs> of, bits of yeah, skis, poles, boots going everywhere yeah, in the finish area. Yeah. Lots of lots of grumpiness, but then that second run is just like this is what I'm here to do, and I think he needs to find some kind of coach to just get him in that well, mind state. It's coached by his dad, isn't it? To, so. to get himself in that mental state yeah. without having to throw a strop beforehand to just get him in that in that position where he's like, here goes. We talked about it a bit in the first episode about how nobody really stuck their hand in the air and went, I'm going to take this by the scruff of the neck. We've seen. Performances like you just said from Christofferson, ups and downs. 27th on the first run, wins the second run, finishes in fourth. Pantero dominating by uh, over a second and then DNFing three races in a row. Just they, It seemed like all season long, on the Tech Tour, probably the Slalom Tour specifically, w they were tripping over each other. Nobody really put together a decent no. string of results to actually go, do you know what, I'm going to be the guy that everybody is going to have to work hard to beat. Yeah. And they sort of just left the door open, left, right and centre. Which is what made it so exciting. But yeah. I wouldn't have ever put money on anyone. You know, I wouldn't have bet anywhere. Oh, in general, just because it, it was so it up was and just down. so difficult to, to, to know what was going to happen. And the final reason I picked this race uh, was because the rest of the podium, uh, Andre Moore and Stefano Gross showing that you don't have to be uh, you know, a youngster in your 20s showing everyone up on the World Cup tour. Yeah. These guys been doing it forever and stepping up on the hardest piece and saying sometimes this is, this is how you do it. Yeah, he's no Duracell bunny, um, but obviously the experience really pays off on a, on a slope like that. Like yeah, you yeah. said, Ed, the, le the less mistakes you make in Val the more chance you have of, of, of being successful. What about you, Luke? What, what did you choose? I have gone for a little bit of an opposite to Ben. I haven't gone for an absolute um, <laughs> demolition. <spanking. laughs> um, I've gone for a slightly closer race, very close race, uh, Adelboden GS. Well, what, so what a weekend that was. Conditions were near perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and after the first run, you had to be less than 1.44 off to be in the top 30. Um, if that's not testament to how close the sport has got, um, you know, we've talked about often how difficult it is to make that jump from, uh, you know, Euros to, 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 to World Cup. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of guys, there were seven guys with bib 31 or above in the top 30 on, on, on the second run. So two Italians of note, uh, Al, Al, Al Prandini. Uh, that's the one. Yeah, good. Um, and Borsotti, <laughs> bib 53 into second. Unfortunately, they both came out second round, which was absolutely gutting. We'd yeah. love to have seen one of them on the podium. Um, but I mean, you know, that race is, was so exciting to see. Uh, yeah, well, you talk, Ben just talked about the podiums uh, in, in the um, slalom in Val d'Isere being between first and second was 1.44. Yeah. And that was the whole, the whole of the race. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely my highlight. Which um, is just ridiculous. And on that hill as well, that, but that is definitely one of the tech highlights, that race piece. Again, we talked about 
having everything in there. It's out of the start, rolls, rolls, rolls. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go, you go over this pitch into a free fall. You see the grandstand around you. Yeah. You just hear this wall of noise coming at you. Um, yeah. And the Swiss fans going absolutely ballistic. It's not one of those races which you would have associated with being that close. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a spectacle. It was, it was one of uh, Hirsch's big favourites. I think he'd, he's won back to back there, both slalom and GS. The double, like, double, the double, 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 for like yeah. <laughs> forever almost. Um, and, and, but it's also just such a, a highlight on the calendar for any ski racing fan. Adelboden is one that if I was ever good enough to race on the World Cup, that would be one of the ones I would immediately want to put down as I definitely want to ski that hill on, on proper race day conditions. I'd probably end up just sliding down it, but <laughs> I, would, I, would re I would really want to because, like you said, the terrain on it and just as they're dropping over that steep into the, into like the cauldron yeah. uh, in the finish area just yeah. looks incredible. And that's one of the few places on the World Cup Tour where the directors can get some really good shots oh, to show you how yeah. steep it is. They've got like the wire cam over their shoulder as yeah. they're dropping down. You're like, finally, at a, a TV angle, you can yeah. actually show See how, how steep, steep it is. is. Because yeah. the amount of times they're like, yeah, oh, this is an 18 degree pitch. And you look at them coming down, you go, doesn't look like it. Yeah. That's one of the ones where they have the perfect shot as they yeah, roll over sort of that hill. Behind, isn't it, as they ski over that roll. And then you just see the skier disappear and you've got the crowd, you've just got the grandstand, all those Swiss flags just yeah, going mental with all the horns and the cowbells. It's just, it's iconic ski racing. And, uh, and I think it's gonna be one that we're gonna see for such a long time. It was super impressive. Yeah. But I think it goes to show the depth of talent that we've got on the, on the tour at the moment, especially on the men's side when it comes to, you know, when you're talking between 30th and first place being less than a second and a half, that's one mistake between yeah. you being on a podium and you being outside mm -hmm. and, and you know only getting to do one of your two runs. Or oh, oh, one face plant if you're Charlie Raposo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll appreciate that one. Um, but yeah, so I think it's going to be a case of uh, that is, is going to be living long in the memory of a lot of ski racing yeah, fans. It was certainly high up on my list of, of, of races that I enjoyed watching this year. And women's, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much now because I want to talk about it in terms of a specific athlete, but Kranjka Kora, um, Alice Robinson was just phenomenal there. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about her later on a little bit more. Yeah, um, they, but that race is just brutal. It, yeah, they moved it, it from, so they're supposed to be racing in Maribor in Slovenia, and then because of lack of snow, they'd moved it over to yeah. the, what is typically the men's hill in Kranjka Kora. So mm. it's, uh, it was a tough race piece, yeah. and you, you're right, we'll crack onto that one in a little bit once we've, once we've got through these. Um, my choices, I've got a couple. Actually, one of my favorites on the ladies' side was Le Tuile in Italy, yeah. which was relatively recently. And I think it was one of my favorites because it was so tight, we saw um, a stand-up performance from Nina Ortlieb, who took her first World Cup win Austrian ski racer. Brunoni was 100th behind in second place and Suter misses consistency yeah. in uh, third place, only seven hundredths back. That piece was very, very tricky. The snow conditions were excellent um, and it was just one of those where you, the best skier won on the day and it's nice to see a new young athlete. The Austrians have been under so much pressure because they've not been performing all season long. To then have her take her first win um, was something that I was pretty pleased to see. Yeah, I think at the time that was one of the first wins basically since the, uh, I think the Canadian 
uh, leg of the speed tour at the start of the season that Schmidhofer had got a win early and then Austrians hadn't had a win on the women's side of the tour until yeah. what it turned out to be one of the last sure. races of the of the season and Ortley put in a great performance we saw how much it meant to Brunoni as well because she was dissecting that performance she had a bit of a Christofferson in yeah. the finish it wasn't yeah. too bad yeah. first of all it was just like pure frustration and, and so close yeah it was but one then, of those like first you come across the line sort of giving it like oh, oh tidy margins and then all of a sudden yeah. there was the yeah. boots coming off and she yeah. was just like and I think you could see it was more for her because she was in, in front of her home fans and to come that close to the to the win was just agonising for her and I, I felt so bad for her and it was getting to that stage of the season where every point matters in terms of that yeah, overall globe. Yeah. So she was 0.1 or 0.01 of a second and that cost her 20 points in, yeah. the, in the overall. Um, so that was sort of my women's pick, but I also had a couple of others. I just want to chuck in there. Kranz Montana, Lara Goot doing the double. We spoke about it briefly on the previous episode with Lara Goot having been sort of middle of the pack for the last season, two seasons maybe, to then step up in front of a home crowd, does the double, looks like she's back, smiling, happy, charging um, as well Rievensburg picking up her first ever downhill World Cup win in front of her home crowd she did crash the next day in Super G and end her season but I, I love the fact that we get so many different winners all season long whether it's been women's side men's side it's been properly good in terms of having uh, this sort of plethora of champions um, I'm going to move on to my men's pick so my pick on the men's side is Kvitfell downhill, and it's not necessarily the race, the performance itself in terms of the skiing, because Kvitfell isn't the most gnarly, it's not the longest, it's not the iciest, it's not got the biggest jumps, but in terms of the overall performance, the whole picture of the race, we saw Meyer, Matthias Meyer take the win, killed her 1400s behind in front of a home crowd, and Carlo Janka finding the podium yet again. But it was it was the it was the Point atmosphere. It was yeah. you know a pin drop atmosphere. You talk about Kilda looking to try and make up for the fact that he'd crashed in the Super G the day before, which actually cost him the globe, the Super G globe. But he was he had to take as many points out of the race as possible he, because we saw even Pantero sticking on downhill skis to try and pick up some points uh, in front of a home crowd. He had what looked like the run of his life, error-free. Then all of a sudden, Matthias Meyer, under all the pressure, and he's had some sickness through the season. The pressure was all on Kilda. And then all of a sudden, Meyer comes down and he just goes for it. And he was error-free, so silky smooth, so clean. Broke Kilda's heart in terms of a home victory. Well, they'd said in the build-up, he'd never even podiumed in Norway before in a World Cup race, which when you think of where he was this season was, was a really big surprise. Yeah. He thought he'd gone from never podium, podiuming in his own home country to, oh my God, he's going to win. Yeah. And then Maya went, hold on, hold no. on guys. I've, uh, I'm feeling much better now. It's like a rejection. I've got over, like, the, yeah. I've got over the flu um, and uh, it turns out I'm really good at this gliding business as yeah, well. so cool. And the whole, the whole atmosphere was just mega from start to finish. And then it, after such a good day, we're then ready for the Super G to try and continue this tale of where the Kilda was going to take it over Pantro for the overall. Obviously, ultimately, didn't matter um, for Kilda, but then cancelled that Super G, which yeah. then handed the title to Caviezel for the Globe. But uh, yeah. So I think some pretty exciting racing all season long. Um, but what about the performance of the season from an athlete's perspective? Ben, in terms of the whole year, where was the one run or the one race that you thought from one athlete 
this is this is it. This is the performance. I mean, there there are probably quite a few to choose from, and I think we probably had quite a lot of overlap in in the ones that we've picked. But one I wanted to call out was again right back to the start of the season uh, was Esther Ledetska, uh, right. the downhill win in Lake Louise was. This was the first year she said she was going to really commit to the World Cup skiing side. She said she'd yeah. still do the snowboard events as well, but she said she would prioritise skiing over snowboarding this season. So obviously you have those first couple of races where you're in Solden and, and it's just the GS tech experts and then and then, you're in Levy, then you've got Levy a month later and then the speed girls and guys get to show their skills. And we'll, everyone was like, oh, I wonder how she's going to do. And she just dominated that yeah. first race. We're like, oh, well, that's Le what she's going to do. Ledesca's Le <laughs> here for the season. And it was really good to see that then carry on. She had some podiums in Super G and I think she ended up on, the, uh, I think maybe third overall in the downhill yeah. standings. Yeah, it was on the downhill side, yeah. And that, and that was really good. And just right at the start of the season, like, a lot of people would have thought that that Olympic win was a bit of a fluke because she had shifting skis that yeah, are going to yeah. be lightning and fully taken care of. And she just said, no, it's not a fluke. I am that good. It was, it was unreal. I think she, I was in the Eurosport office and was commentating one of the men's races and watching in between two runs, because obviously there's time between both runs. I'm sitting in the office doing my prep for the second run and look up on the TV and there's parallel snowboarding and the Detska's there winning. And you're like, what on earth? <laughs> she's literally come away from the previous weekend where she's podiuming on downhill skis and then the following weekend, she's in a whole different part of Europe, racing on a snowboard. I mean, I couldn't even win racing one discipline, let alone multiple disciplines and, different and multiple sports. sports. <laughs> just unfair. It's just right, not fair. Right. Just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a paddy. Not and, good. That, and that's how good she is, and that's why I picked Detska out for there. There's, there's a, a plenty of other op options as well, and you guys no doubt will cover them, but that was really one of the standouts uh, for me. Excellent. Do you have one on the men's side? Just got, you've got, got one on that side? I did. I, I put down the, the Zubcic win uh, in, in the GS because it was quite monumental. It's been a, a, a long time coming. Uh, yeah, and it was, and he looked like he just did not feel the pressure at all. He put in some brilliant skiing. He'd been slowly climbing the ranks throughout the season. Yeah. Um, and looked like he was ready for it, but I think with the likes of Tommy Ford and people showing up and, and putting in wins, we weren't quite expecting it from no. him. And then he delivered, yeah. and it was good. In terrible was... conditions as well. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was. That was my top pick too for the men's. Uh, he had that uh, win, not a win, sorry, second in Ad Adelboden um, in January. Um, and then he went on to show that he wasn't a one-trick pony. And then in Hinterstoder, the week later, he came second again. Um, and he's still quite young. And I think it's the first podium for a Croatian, uh, especially on the men's side, since uh, Kostelic. Yeah, so it'll be a few years. Yeah, um, exactly. I, so think it was the first, I think it was the first Croatian men's giant slalom victory. Because I don't think yes. Kostelic ever did. I think that's the stat you're looking for. I think he, um, Kostelic obviously in Alpine combines, I think he picked up a couple in Super G and then obviously mostly slalom. But yeah, first ever, Croatia's first that's ever true. giant slalom victory. A yeah. And that race was brutal. We're out in Japan. It was snowing heavily. The snow underfoot was really soft. I think he'd had an okay middle of the pack first run. Another another athlete that had uh, a subpar run followed by an absolute stormer and took yeah. the win from I think he was like twelfth or something after yeah. the first run. So a fair few races had uh, still left to challenge, and he just went. You know what? I believe what I've got here, and he went down and just 
took the, you know, by the scruff of the neck and walked away with Croatia's first win in Giant Slalom, his first win in Giant Slalom. And, and where did he finish up in the overall st Giant Slalom tour standings? He was third. Yeah. You I know, mean, it was so nice to see him embrace uh, Kostlic yeah. in the finish. I think Kostlic has spent a lot of his time on Zubcic in the last couple of years. Yeah, that is really believed that in him. Well, yeah, yeah, really believed in him. Um, and sort of like taken under his wing and tried to sort of like mentor him. Uh, and so it was really good to see Zubcic like sort of come out of his skin this season and really perform well. I think we're going to see a lot of good things from him next season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ben stole your your uh, men's, men's and I'm pick. about to steal your women's pick. Oh, brilliant! Um, Thank you. Alice Robinson nice from New Zealand, uh, a nation which you which haven't had sort of a lot of success since the 90s. 90s. I, think it was. I can't think, can't remember what um, it is, but 90s. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. on the women's yeah. side. Um, 18 years old, tail end of last season, we saw with some really good results, a second or a third, I believe, in Andorra in World Cup Soldeo, finals yeah. in Soldeo. And then this, this season, she's got two wins, one in Kranjagakura, um, and then the other one in the, the first race of the season in Solden, um, and then also another second in Andorra. Now, Kranjakura and Solden are not easy hills, but no. you know, Kranjakura especially is, is you know, the men's GS hill, which we would all consider a very difficult yeah, it's hill. Yeah, super tough. Um, that last yeah. pitch is like 50% gradient or something. It's yeah, nice. yeah. And, and to see her arc every single turnout was just amazing. Yeah, Alice Robinson this season, what a, what a season it was. She really burst onto the scene last year at RA at the World Champs with that second run performance where she went from high 20s into like sixth place at World Champs. Uh, and then this year, won that opening race and you're just like, this is a real performance for her. And it was a little bit of a surprise. She was super aggressive on her edges. She was clean and dynamic down the steep and she just set about that field. And it was a bit of a, a little bit of a surprise in terms of, you know, she's, why, you know, Schifrin's supposed to win this. What's going on with everybody else? Then the rest of the season, she had to take, she had to take a bit of time off just after Solden with that injury meant that she missed the next couple of GSs. And then all of a sudden that Kranska Gora race was ridiculous every single turn she knifed every single turn she moved the body weight forward accelerating the ski turn to turn and she absolutely tore the field apart we talked about it earlier on with Vlahova dominating a field and that was domination of the slalom field but this was domination of a giant slalom field and she thoroughly deserved absolutely thoroughly deserved that win yeah watching that second run watching some of the other athletes kind of start building up the second run when you're trying to get a feel for how difficult the course is yeah. where there are any difficult gates and there was a few gates in there that pretty much the entire field were either backing off or putting a bit of a slide yeah. at the top of the turn and as Lucia she just absolutely knifed all of those turns and to the point where I was laughing it was such good skiing. I was <laughs> yeah. just watching him going, this is incredible. Yeah. And I was just giggling watching it going, this is ski racing. This is what I want to watch every week yeah. Yeah. on such a difficult hill. And I'm glad they moved it from, from Maribor. I'm a yep. big fan of the women racing on as tougher hills as the men because She's Alice got Robinson shows yeah. you can do it. Yeah, and well, Schifrin's yeah. going to say, you know, throw me down the steep. I don't care. Yeah. They, they can ski just as well on this. And yeah. I just, I was so happy to watch that. And like I said, it was just, it was just what, poetry in motion. That yeah, second it, was, run. it was seriously, seriously good. Uh, and on the men's side, it's got to be a downhill. And for me, it had to be Bormio with Dominic Paris's double downhill victory. He, it was, 
he was in a different league. He didn't win. I think he won both of the downhills. One of them he won by a couple of hundredths. The other one he won by a few tenths. But he literally just tore that hill a new one. He just blitzed it. It was Bormio downhill doesn't get the respect that it deserves, I don't think. When you talk about gnarly downhills, you think about Kitzbühel and you think about the classics, you think about Wengen but being gnarly in a different way with big jumps but long race piece. But Bormio is over two minutes long, it's top to bottom turny, it's top to bottom icy and it's top to bottom big jumps and steep conditions. And he, he was on another level. The guy just, I don't know whether he has it's gonna uh, it's gonna sound like i'm being disrespectful like a brain in his head in terms of like a fear factor because he literally doesn't that he just went out of the yeah yeah, Yeah. he just bull in the china shop he just went for it precisely yeah he He skis at his best in those sort of conditions yeah it's weird i mean we talked about in the last episode how foyts can get so close to him with a completely different technique, but he just shows the mountain no respect. Yeah, yeah. Other people, when they go to places like Kitzbühel, Wengen, and Bormio, they, they've heard about it, they've done the practice runs, yeah. their like, knees and back are probably still hurting from two days training runs. And Paris just goes, this is so much fun. <laughs> and he looks yeah, like he is having, yeah, yeah. You know, He plays in his, in his like, death metal band or whatever yeah. it is for his, <laughs> for his fun outside of skiing. And it just seems like that personality suits that hill yeah. perfectly. Do we know how he's doing with his recovery, when he's going to be back? Well, we don't know when anyone's going to be back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, yeah, he's been he's rehabbing the knee, and I've seen a bit on social media that he's just, he, you know, just starting Cracking his training. And, but a case, I guess, I wonder, we'll talk, again, this we'll, we'll say for another episode, but it's going to be interesting to see how people's summer plans take hold, and actually yeah. it might benefit him because nobody's going to be on skis. Yeah. <laughs> um, Best season yeah, to be injured. Yeah, maybe. And I think that he, yeah, we were robbed of a real battle for, this, for the downhill globe between, oh, and the Super G globe as yeah. well, with, with Paris liking the Super G as well. Um, shall we move on to the last category for the episode? Surprise performers and disappointed athletes. Luke, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so for me, uh, the surprise performance of the season uh, throughout the whole season was Luke Winters. Uh, It's really cool to see a young guy come in there and show the older guys or the more experienced guys that, you know, we can disrupt the field. Um, But in terms of consistency, combined with sort of being young, uh, Clement Noel, for me, shows the most amount of um, potential for the future. He's, I think so, he's like 97? I think, yeah, 22, 90, 23, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, on a lot of runs that he were, was winning, a lot of races he was winning after the first run, he held his cool together and still won the second run. That's quite rare to see from well, someone, you know, so young. And two um, points away from taking the overall, for t- taking the slalom globe. Yeah, so. yeah, he'll be disappointed in that, but I think he's got a lot to look forward to. So. Um, from the positives, that, that was mine. Maybe from the negative, Schwartz. He had some glimmers of, of good skiing throughout the season, but the biggest you know, disappointment was Schladming. Uh, yeah. When he was winning after the first home run. Home crowd. Home crowd, winning after the first run. I mean, you, you, nothing better than an Austrian winning uh, at Schladming. And then second run, he messed up on the fourth gate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really horrible. Uh, th- that was definitely a bit of a mind melt moment. He sort of, he was skied so well in that first run. I think a little bit of a surprise for most people there because mm. he hadn't been at that level of performance throughout the winter so far. Yeah. Um, and then 
I think he just sort of overthought. So that fourth or fifth gate, whichever one it was, was really tricky, and yeah. it caught out quite a few races, and he just fell into that trap that it was a tricky gate and, and almost made it harder for himself by sort of pu pulling back and coming off the gas a little bit rather than yeah. just skiing normally through it. And it just meant that he, that he DNF'd in front of a home crowd, just absolutely uh, demoralizing scenario for that yeah. guy. And Ben, you had a couple that you wanted to, to Yeah, it wasn't really a, a kind of surprise in the way Luke Winters was, but I definitely wanted to touch on uh, Brignone and I've been digging through her stats for the season and obviously she's won the overall. She had a monster year, but some of these stats were hilarious. She had 25 starts, 20 top 10s, 11 podiums, five wins, and she was on the top three for six out of the seven available globes. Nuts. That is incredible. And we touched on it in a previous podcast. She was a known entity in the women's, but yeah. no one was picking her for no a single one that. of the tour no. titles, let alone contending in six out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that is absolutely phenomenal. So I, I, having looked into it, I was like, I've got to, I've got to go and read yeah. out some of these stats because that's incredible. Only three DNFs in a whole season wow. is, is just brilliant. Well, and that, and that again harks back to the fact that we talk about so much of this is about being consistent. And she, and she just, I don't know, I guess that's sort of carefree. She wasn't somebody that was looked at, so she was able to then go under the radar and just go about being one of the most talented ski racers on the tour at the moment. Exactly, and on the, the men's side, um, I, I mean, I put them Austrian men's team as a disappointment in the tech side, yeah. um, which is, is very harsh, but when you think in slalom, you had the likes of um, Schwartz, yes, coming off an injury, but you still expected fairly big things from him based yeah. on what you'd seen. Manny Feller, Michael Matt, and we saw nothing from any of them really no. all season. Um, it was only right towards the end, you had a couple of glimmers of hope with, with Pertel and Gastrein, yeah. Yeah. with a little bit of hope for the future, for the but, but they've really shown that there is a lot of work to be done on that, on that men's side. Yeah, well, I, th I wonder whether it's a bit of a Hirscher hangover. We've talked about that again in previous discussions that we've had, that the fact that the Austrian skiing has been in this golden age of Marcel Hirscher winning eight globes back to back, winning everything there is to win in the world of ski racing, um, and therefore putting a gloss on Austrian skiing, um, which also then alleviated the pressure on your likes of uh, Schwarz and uh, Feller and Matt. So and now that he's not there, all of a sudden it's this sort of, uh, where's the wind gonna come from? And that pressure hasn't suited the Austrians at all and you think about a nation of ski racers when I think about my ski racing career and I'm sure you guys are similar when it comes to racing against the Austrians you think of them as you know almost metronomic in terms of being able to deal with pressure being able to come up with the goods when it's needed and this season they most certainly didn't and they would have been torn to absolute shreds in the press in the Austrian press from the press in terms of uh, my side of things with the, the podcast or the commentating sort of stuff, we're left a little bit in the, in the realms of what's going on with Austria. But in terms of Austrian press, they are digging out these yeah. guys for not being good enough this year. And I guess they got a little, not lucky on the, on the speed side, but they had Meyer and Creek Meyer performing pretty regularly. So yeah. the speed side was kind of kept, uh, kept themselves to themselves. Yeah. They got the big. They got the big win at Kitzbühel. 
Um, that's the one they want. Yeah. But then on the tech side, like you said, they almost had, you know, you'd almost say it was a win for the Austrians if they came away with Kitzbühel and Schladming. Yeah. yeah. Like, even if they didn't win anything else the rest of the yeah. season, like, we got the two we wanted. Yeah. yeah but you, then, you know, because you of that mistake. Yeah, you could have almost glossed over it had Schwarz won in Schladming because all of a sudden yeah. it would have been like, well, we won the big ones and so here we are. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't, wasn't yeah. the case. Have you got any other little bits of Schlago? No, you can go. Um, my, I'm going to stick to nations because I think you guys have covered like athletes pretty well in terms of the surprise, the good stuff and the bad stuff. But I want to say the Swiss as a whole nation. If you look at a powerhouse of skiing, um, historically it's been Austria. Switzerland have turned around, won the Nations Cup, taken everything. Uh, won multiple globes, they've won women's side, they've won men's side, they've won tech, they've won speed. They've, they're ticking all boxes and the depth is unreal at the moment for the Swiss, which is, it makes a nice change from it just being all about the Austrians. Um, so the Swiss athletes have absolutely been top draw from start to finish. Daniel Yule, arguably, the one of the guys that's hit hardest by not not finishing the season properly he's had a couple of dns but he had a real purple patch through the through the middle of that winter picking up back-to-back uh, -back world cup wins and so i think at the same time as being super impressed with the swiss i feel like the the corona stuff may have just cost Daniel yeah. Yule, which would have been nice from a Brit perspective. I know that we try and claim him <laughs> when, he's good, he's when he's going well and we distance him when he's not <laughs> going well. But it was, it's, uh, it, it's been a great performance for them. Um, a couple of youngsters coming through. You've got Jakobsen from Sweden looking like if he can actually finish uh, we talk about Holy Grail being two runs, but if Jakobsen can finish one run, <laughs> it would be nice to see what he's got to offer, as well as some of these youngsters. Lucas Braten from Norway, unbelievable talent, 18 yeah. years old, winning first runs, podiuming uh, in first legs, just narrowly missing out on the podium in, uh, I think it was Kitzbühel where he was fourth. I can't remember exactly, but you know, very close to podiuming, and it's the future's bright for those young guys. Uh, so I think all in all, we've had a pretty impressive season from a lot of the youngsters. Maybe the old guard, I don't know. It seems to have been a, a season for the youngsters this year. We had a bit of both because you had Clary and those guys having the old man podiums as well. There were stages in the season where we had where we had the, the old guard really stepping yeah, up before he'd picked up his injury. Yeah, yeah, I had a few races oh, where that was the case. The other thing that I forgot, oh. nearly forgot to mention, sorry Ben, before I get overexcited, <laughs> is, um, is the whole stuff with uh, the old guard, with the Italians, with Manfred Molg and the former Olympic champ from Italy. Razzoli. Razzoli, thank there you. you go. <laughs> I just leave, leave, really you, leave you stretching there. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, these old guys coming back and actually, I think w when you talk about um, the youngsters having such a good season, which they definitely have. I think the older guard have learnt quite a lot because you're exactly right. I nearly forgot about a couple of the French guys. You look at JB Grange learning from um, Clement Noel, Clement Noel yeah. all of a sudden picking his performances up. You've got 40-year-old guys in Lizaru getting second runs and close to the top 10s. So I think it's been a, it's been a pretty entertaining season. Um, and uh, I think that will bring us to the end of this second episode of the, uh, of the 2020 review. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, until next time, goodbye for now.